Welcome to this Kingdom Faith Yorkshire podcast from the August family holiday. This talk is by Paul Abel. Oh, praise God. About 40% of the camp are now in the other places. <laughs> it's, uh, it's why on the, on the stuff it doesn't call this the main hall, because it's not really. <laughs> it's, the, it's the half hall. <laughs> God is so good. All the time. Yeah. That's kind of the classic Christian response. But it is so true. And all the time. <laughs> and I just, and it's right. I mean, God's got us blowing this to remind us that we're the army. But this army is so different. It's not the British army. We're not the SAS. This army is a family. And... One of the reasons Faith Camp finished was that the leadership of Kingdom Faith, well, it was a good thing, wasn't it, Faith Camp? It was a good thing for 36 years. But God said, stop. So you don't think, oh, well, we'll carry on because it's still successful. Because it was. You just do what God says. But reasons behind it were because, this is what Pastor Conin felt the Lord said to him, was that faith camp had become something we all went to and we expected a breakthrough there. Well, of course we did. There often was. You know, there were miracles of healing and all kinds of amazing stories of what God did in those times. But God now wants that in every local congregation every day of the week. Which is why this has been emphasised on the local church and our friends and family. You've probably noticed it's not actually been very well advertised. That was deliberate. And if you're here, it's because God wanted you here. Because we were quite hard to hear about. <laughs> I mean, it's not a massive gathering of people. But it is God's people coming to fall in love with Jesus. We are going to the other side. Yes, 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 yes. There are such incredible promises on us. And when I say us, I mean everybody in this room. Because God has placed us together. Some of us based in Scarborough, some of us are not, but he's put us together. And a lot of the time, I'm going to talk about what God has said to Kingdom Faith Yorkshire, but I know that he's got you here because you are part of it. I'm not going to keep saying that. I just want you to know. I don't have super clever words for you. I've hardly got any Greek I've just got some simple things from the gospel, like this morning, very simple. But God just wants us to fall in love with him again. Fall in love with Jesus and fall into the arms of the Father. And no, it's okay. He knows you get in a bit of a tizzy sometimes. He knows you get worked up. He doesn't think any less of you. He's not surprised when we do something stupid because he knows us better than we know ourselves anyway. And do you know what? He trusts us. Have you thought about that? He trusts you. Well, sometimes we don't trust ourselves. And that's actually sin, really, because God does. You think, well, I might do something wrong. Yeah, God knows that. In fact, God knows the things you're going to do wrong. And he still trusts you. He's not going to let his trust be determined by you. Your sin is not going to change God's plan and destiny. You're not more powerful than God.
Often the only thing that stops us living in the fullness of God is we're a bit lazy. <laughs> it's too much effort. Well, that's my story. <laughs> you know, I'd rather lie in bed for another hour. <laughs> or or uh, watch another YouTube video or something. I just feel burnt out. And when we're burnt out, it's because we've not been resting in the goodness of God. You've all into the trap of trying to make things happen. He's so good. You see, many of you have had some tough things going on in your life and things that haven't happened, haven't happened. But you don't determine your theology by what hasn't happened. Our theology comes from what God does and has done. You know, the devil comes to kill and destroy. So when we see death and destruction, it's him. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We were chatting this afternoon. I was chatting with Brian and Cass, and he was talking to me about that story and about how when the boat went across the, that, that lake, on the other side of that lake was, an, was a, was a God, God appointment. It was where he cast the demons out of that demoniac. It's all he really ever did over there, and then he came back again. <laughs> Just popped over through the storm. You know, that storm wasn't an ordinary storm, because the disciples were, most of them anyway, in that boat, experienced fishermen. They knew what Lake Galilee was like, so then to be frightened, it must have been some storm. It was some storm because the enemy was in it. But whether the enemy's in a storm or whether it's a natural storm, it doesn't matter. If God said you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. You're going to the other side. Sometimes you've really doubted it. Sometimes you thought it's not possible. Sometimes you thought, how can God use me? And God says, because I'm God. <laughs> We're going to the other side. Now, as I was praying about what we were going to look at these few days, and I was praying, God, should I ask different people to speak and Stuff like that. I mean, you've seen, you saw the team that, that stood up, that, that sorted this camp. And you noticed that I was not in it. Because I'm very wanting to give out. And I'm, I have a tendency not to want to do things. And God said, I want you to talk at every meeting. And actually, I don't know whether you believe it or not, I really struggled with it. And God said, no, I'm going to give you something specific for the people that are there that's going to enable us in this going to the other side or going into the promised land. And I took us back a couple of weeks ago to the fact that the old, old verse that comes from the days when we began the J24-7 ministry in Horsham Numbers 14.24, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, I will give him the land he went into and his descendants shall inherit it. One of the great things that Kingdom Faith has always contended for is that the move of God not be a great flash in the plan. We're not interested in having the God channel coming and filming a series of meetings and everybody knowing about Kingdom Faith. We don't want everybody to know about Kingdom Faith. We want everybody to know about Jesus. But we do contend for a move of God that goes into a generation and to a generation. And when you're crossing over the lake to grab hold of something like that, there's a lot more involved than just having a revival that explodes on the TV screens for a while and then sadly often sort of dissipates. Well, this is a Jesus movement. And maybe no one will ever be famous except Jesus. Because that's the only one we want famous. That's right. 
The story that I told this morning was from Mark's Gospel. And as God took me to Mark's Gospel, thinking about this holiday, he took me to a verse that's absolutely key to us, Mark 2, verse 1. It's one of the key fundamental verses that God uh, gave Kate and I, well, gave the group of us, I think it was actually Eileen Kitt, if you remember her, that first mentioned this verse. And um, in the King James it says, and it was noised that Jesus was in the house. You know, many of you, that's a, a promise we want. That, that, that Scarborough, in this case, but it's a whole region, it's not just Scarborough. It's noised, it's gossiped about that Jesus is there. And we've seen my, many, many blessing and stuff like that in that it's talked about that the summit is not a hidden little obscured place in the town. Lots of people know about it. But I'm not sure people are talking that Jesus is there yet. Some are. Some of you have recently found Jesus there. <laughs> in a whole new way. Oh, that's awesome. But this is the time. I believe this is the time when we're going to start living in this. Jonathan Croft had a, a prophetic word uh, at a recent trustees meeting. He's the leader of Kingdom Faith in London and used to be one of the national elders. Still is part of the national leadership. And it was a very simple one. He just said, I saw God, God told me that you're turning the page. And that's a very simple word. It's a turning of a page. And at the time, I thought, that sounds good, something new. But as I, the more I've thought about it, the more God sort of said and revealed things to me. I mean, one of the things when you turn a page, like if you turn a page in this Bible here, is it, the new page has got all new things on it. But it all builds on what's gone before. And it's when God is, is doing a new thing amongst us, but it, it's, it's going to build on what has gone before. And you're part of the foundation of this. I've called you by name. You haven't been called and you've ended up somewhere by accident. He's called you by name. And Brian and Kathy have been trying to move up to Yorkshire. They're trying to sell their house in Leicestershire. They're retiring from their full-time ministry with the Navigators, but not far in, f retiring from their full-time ministry for the Lord. <laughs> Just thought I'd remind you. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet, but they know they're called. The only thing is, Kathy's not sure whether she likes the idea, because I keep unfortunately challenging you. <laughs> Apparently I'm, it's, I'm hard to say no to. I, 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 I was thinking I wish, I wish more people knew that. <laughs> but we need to see them moved and that house sold. Yeah? You want that, don't you? Shall we pray for them then? Now. Yeah, come on then, let's all stand up. Let's have them down the front here. Um, you can come forward and lay hands, or you can stay where you are. But If you don't know who this couple are, this, uh, you can uh, shoot them later, because this is the couple that first discipled me when I was Christian at university. So all the good stuff is me, all the bad stuff is them. Yeah. <laughs> come on, let's have a few laying on hands. But also, you know what? I think we need to speak to the storm that stopped them getting here so far. Hallelujah. Come on, Pete. You look like you're uh, looking to come forward. Anyone else? Father, to the storm that's prevented this boat from crossing from Leicestershire to Scarborough, we say, quiet! Be still! <laughs> I, I feel like at that there was just a storm, it stopped. Yeah. Father, we pray that Brian and Kath get an absolutely amazing offer on their property. Yeah. You, like to, you like to bless us in all sorts of ways, Father, and they, we ask now that that property sells for an amazing price. Yeah. 
not what they were expecting, something better. And Father, that, is, that sets up exactly with something that you have for them in Scarborough that will be a place that they love, a place that they enjoy. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Adrian. Adrian, come on. You've just had a wonderful house released to you. Come and release a wonderful house to these people. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for Brian and Cass. Amen. I thank you Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Actually, if there's anybody else, you might not have Adrian's voice. I have, a, I have technology. Ah, you've got it, Jonah. <laughs> anybody else want to pray something out? Let's uh, make sure My can goodness is running after. Oh, yeah. It's running after you. My goodness is running after. It's running after you. My goodness is running after, it's running after you. My goodness is running after, it's running after you. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, Brian and Katha, God's saying his goodness is the wind in your sails. From today onwards, uh, it's that wind, that goodness within your sails is going to take you across the sea. From Leicester to Scarborough. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. See you soon. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, praise God. So, you got that promise. It's been given to us, and it was noise that Jesus was in the house. And what happens is that the whole town, it says, gathered at the front door. And as I was looking at that, and I was thinking, well, this turning a new page, I'm going to go backwards a page to see, well, what caused this to happen? Because if this is a word over us, and it is a prophetic word for now, and when God gives a word, it's like he enables that word. When uh, Mary got that rather unusual word about you're going to be pregnant and have a baby, the angel said to her, nothing is impossible with the spoken word of God. Nothing is impossible. This word that she got was like, well, how's that going to happen? But when God gives a word, he gives the provision and he gives the power and he gives the enabling to have it happen. And in many translations, it just says nothing is impossible with God. But actually, it's nothing is impossible with that spoken word of God. You speak out God's truth. And it, the power that is released, the enabling that is released, brings it about to happen. So if God has given us this word, when we're praying it, when we're speaking it out, that it was noise that God was in the house. Let's have a look what happened before. Because God will be saying to us, this is for you. Good things. So that's what I did. And I went backwards. And I just went backwards a little bit. But let's just, I'm just going to jump in tonight with, uh, in, in Mark 1. So we've gone back from the story of this morning, back to the story of Capernaum, and then back one step further. And let's just... Draw on a few things from here. This is a room full of champions. And champions play to win. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. When he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing their nets into the water, for they were fishermen. Jesus called to them, come, follow me. 
and I will make you fishermen of a different kind, you will catch people. Without hesitating, they abandoned their nets and followed him. A little further along the shore, he saw James and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee, preparing their nets. He caught them in the same way, and they too did not hesitate to leave their father Zebedee together with the higher men and follow Jesus. I just want to take one simple thing out of that, and that is don't hesitate to follow Jesus. This is one of the things that leads to all the people knocking at the door. Are people that don't hesitate to follow him. We have a remarkable church of people, I believe, who are not hesitating to follow God. They're stepping out of the normal way of thinking. I don't want to embarrass you, John, but you've always impressed me. He had a, a career, if you like. He was doing well in his internet design and working for a firm. He was earning a lot of money. And from a worldly point of view, and even from some Christians' point of view, that have said, do this, do this, work on this. It means you'll have to move here, and you'll have to move there, and you'll have to move over here, and you will earn more and more money. Instead, God spoke to him. At a time, he didn't know that Dan at that time was laying down doing much of that job. He didn't know that. But it seemed to him that God was telling him that he would be working on the staff. But there was no gap. But he didn't know that one was just about to open up. But I say one was opening up. But if he had a worldly thinking, he'd have said, well, that's a backward step. I won't be working for a big design firm. I won't have well-paid bosses. And I'm going to be paid almost a third of what I'm on now. Because that was the actual way it worked out, wasn't it? But he took it. He didn't hesitate. Because he didn't come to it with a worldly thinking. I mean, and as much as we hold up John, we must hold Stacy, his wife, because she said, okay, you can do that. Ouch. <laughs> but even as she goes ahead, and your great news today that you have got through, um, what do they actually call it? National assessment to be in the police. She's already a community support officer, so she knows what she's stepping into. But Stacy has known that the call of God on her life is not to work full-time with the church. But at this time in her life, it's to work with the police closer and closer and closer. That's a brave step. It's a tough world. But people are not hesitating to follow Jesus. They're not making normal steps. We've got some great younger guys who, in many respects, could have moved on to big cities and gone for the bigger jobs and the better things. But they know they're in a... They don't know how long it is. I say never say, it's just a season, because then you're always looking for the season to end. It's just, this is where I am. And we're just open to God to say something different. But we've got a whole bunch of people. Younger and older people that are like that. This is where I am. This is where I'm planted. And when God calls me, I will move. If God calls me. I mean, when I was in Horsham, I thought I was in Horsham. I never expected to move. If people ask me now, do you think you'll move on? The answer is absolutely no. It could happen. I don't see it happening. There's certainly everything within me doesn't want it to happen. I love what God's doing amongst us. I love this family. It would be very painful. But I won't hesitate if he does. But we need disciples who don't hesitate. Sometimes this is portrayed here as, you know, almost like a Disney film thing. You know, one day Jesus happens to come skipping through the tulips and says, come, follow me. And they threw away their nets and they all skipped off to some wonderful song together. I mean, they knew who he was. They'd heard him teaching. When you look in the other Gospels, you can see that going on. But there still came a point when he said, come. And they didn't hesitate. And they didn't take the worldly decision. I mean, they were fishermen. Sometimes it's portrayed that they were poor. They probably were not poor. They had good business with their boats and their fishing. 
They sacrificed their part in the business. They said, no, that business is not for these guys at this time the most important thing to me. For someone else, it might be that your call is to be a police officer or someone running your own business. But the thing is, don't hesitate. And I'm not talking, and when we say don't hesitate, it's not be stupid, just run off after everything, because they, they didn't do that. They, by the time this came, they knew who Jesus was. And we know that, because in another place, obviously he teaches about counting the cost. You don't build a tower without knowing what the foundations are like. So we know he wouldn't have called his disciples like that, because it would contradict Don't hesitate. Why, wouldn't you, why, why would you hesitate to follow somebody that has such a good plan? Sometimes it doesn't look like it. <laughs> it didn't look like a good idea to give up the fishing business or leave it with other members of the family. We're just going to go on the road with you. And where will our income come from? God will provide. And he did. There are probably so many of us in this room that's got wonderful stories of how God has provided for us at different times. It's amazing. Anyway, they go to Capernaum. They go to the synagogue and it says that Jesus begins to teach. And people are amazed Verse 22, we're amazed at the authority with which he taught them, an authority which teachers of the religious law did not possess. You know, that wasn't because he was God. It was because of his relationship with the Father. It wasn't because, although he was super clever, it wasn't because he got an M.A., it was because he had a relationship with the Father. Any one of us can share the teachings of God and people will be amazed if we're in relationship with God. And things are beginning to build as to why they came to that door. He had followers that didn't hesitate. He knew his Father while he was speaking, a man who belonged to the synagogue and who was in the grip of an evil spirit shouted out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Is it your intention to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One God has sent. Well, God doesn't need the enemy to declare who he is. Jesus addressed him sternly. Quiet! Come out of him. It's exactly the same word as he used to address the storm. Be muzzled. Shut your mouth. It's literally what it means. <laughs> and the evil spirit causes the man to have convulsions and comes out with him with a great shriek. And then they're all amazed. Where's this authority coming from? His relationship with the Father. Do you remember not long ago, I brought my teddy bear to church? It <laughs> sounds quite strange saying it to a group of people that don't all know that. Um, and you remember, uh, I held it up, and then I was telling Josh, stand up, sit down, which he kindly did. But it looked like the teddy bear was telling him. Why could a teddy bear order him around? Because he belonged to me. I mean, it's a weak illustration, because a teddy bear doesn't really have a very good relationship, but I've had him a long time. He was given to me when I was born. But we belong to God. That's the authority we have. We can stand before giants and feel like grasshoppers. But remember what they feel like when they look at what's behind you. 
<laughs> I just mentioned you. So it's quite funny you walked back in at that point. <laughs> That's why they're all looking at you. If you're feeling self-conscious, you should, because I just used your name. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Great timing, though. It was the example of little Ted. What are we going to make of this, they say. First, we hear a new teaching with greater authority than anything we've heard before. No, they just heard him speaking out of relationship, not out of head knowledge. He issues commands to evil spirits and they obey him. It was no wonder that the news about Jesus spread rapidly throughout the whole region of Galilee. Okay, now we're beginning to find out why these people came to the door. Why it was gossip that Jesus was in the house. It's because he didn't hesitate. His followers weren't hesitating. And it's because of his relationship with his father, which caused him, when he taught, to have such authority in what he said. Because big T he was little Ted compared to big Ted, if you like. Which is why it's the same for all of us. And as the page turns, this is where we're turning to. We're not talking about God's got to do all this stuff in us. God's got to do this in us. All, we're talking about what God has already done and what is happening now. I mean, if you're like me, you probably don't feel totally sorted. Anyone? Suzanne? Totally sorted. Perfect. She's so Jesus-like. <laughs> no, we, we, all feel, we all feel like that, don't we? We all feel... Oh, but God says, look, I love you. Will you stop worrying about all that stuff? I will sort it, and you will repent. <laughs> In other words, you will change your mind. Remember, that's, the, that's what the word actually means. Repentance, the trouble is, the problem with that word is we've tended to associate it with sort of lots of crying, snot pouring out your nose, sackcloth and ashes, wailing. That's not repentance unless there is a change of mind. Now, it might go with it, because you realise, oh, what a mess. But God doesn't really want you to do all that. All he wants is to change. Sometimes it's a very necessary part of the change. Sometimes, you know, God wants people to change their minds, to repent, because of how wonderful he is. That it's, his love is so overwhelming and so powerful, people fall on their knees and go, oh my goodness, you're amazing. How good has something got to be to cause people to do that? Anybody can do the fear, really. You can just shout. But to get people to fall on their knees because of goodness, but that's what happens here. Let's have a little bit more look at what happened before that day in Capernaum when it says they all turned up at the door. I've heard a couple of stories. I, liked, I was reading this, I just thought, oh, that's funny. Let's see if you see what I mean. From the synagogue where this had all been said, it says they went directly with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And I thought, we really should identify with this story because basically in our language it's like after church they went home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it says that. That's basically what it says. After the synagogue, they went to James and John's home to have something to eat. After church, they went home for dinner. But what happens is they go home after dinner and the miracles continue. And that's what's so important in this time. It's not about being perfect. It's just about God wants to do things through me. You're a miracle worker. Well, I don't feel like one. Well, you are tough. <laughs> because God works through you. I mean, sure, we can resist him and blank him out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we can do that. But really, when we go home after church, just to use that language of this passage, that's time for the miracles to start being released. You know, do you know the one that happened? Maybe you know your story or maybe you're reading your Bible right now. It's, um, they go to Simon Peter's house where his mother-in-law is sick. It never actually tells us what his name is. 
or mother-in-law. She's in the Bible as (laughs) mother-in-law. Should redeem mother-in-laws for all time. She was in bed, sick with a fever. I said, never mind, you have a rest, we can get something ready. No, Jesus knew it was time for a miracle. This ordinary moment of a meal after church was time for a miracle. Sunday afternoon is time for a miracle. Sunday evening, time for a miracle. Monday morning, time for a miracle. I don't mean just you getting up on time either. (laughs) You always get up on time. (laughs) So Jesus went to her, took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. Immediately the fever went and she was able to prepare a meal for them all. God's miracles release people to serve. Immediately. We're going to see some remarkable things, but it's to enable people just to serve him. Are you with me on this? I know this is kind of calm, and I know this is kind of quiet for me, but it's just that sense of God's good. And he wants that goodness to just flow, and that mercy to flow through us, to the world around us. Because really what's going on in here is that wherever Jesus went, stuff happened. And that love and that goodness and that mercy was just coming through him. But God lives in us. It's John that writes, as he, as, he was, as he is in this world, so are we. And the NIV these days, they've changed their translation. They say, we're like Jesus in this world. That is not a good translation. We're not like Jesus. As he is in this world, so are we. That's a lot stronger than like him. Everything he did is a pattern to be followed. I mean, in a different culture, in a different environment. But as he, and notice it says, as he is. Not as he was, as he is in this world. So it's even as Jesus is now in this world, so are we. It's not some, oh, you look at a past example and copy it so you'll like it. It's as he is now, so are we. And if you want to know what he's like now through us, you can look back at what he did. Just a little bit more to see why people gathered at the door. Because people are going to gather at the door. Do you believe this? Yes. Sound like the this 19 theme then. You believe this? <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Oh, no, that's another sermon series. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, it's constantly the question God's saying, do you believe this? Do you believe this? We're going to the other side. Do you believe this? Do you believe it, Donna? You do, don't you? <laughs> I'd say wait, don't, wait for us, but you don't need to. We're all coming. Right, one last story from here. Uh, no, I missed that bit. Let's just go to this bit. On one occasion, and this is the story before the noised story. On one occasion, a leper came to him, fell to his knees and pleaded with Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. Now, I don't want to make too much of the clean thing, but... Just for a minute, let's make sure we understand what he means by clean. Because he is unclean, because he is a leper. So we've got to step back into a culture of 2,000 years ago and see that if you had a, a, a nasty skin disease, perhaps even just severe eczema, because of the f- fear of leprosy and because of what's in the Old Testament as well, It was that if you had bad skin, you were unclean. You were unacceptable to God. Pretty vicious. 
really, isn't it? You carried that around. If it were, you, you could even be excluded in colonies and everything else. We don't really need to go all into that. But you could even have to, at different times, even in history, you've rung bells and stated that you're unclean. You're not fit to be in company. and You certainly should not be anywhere near God. And the priests particularly, and the scribes and the people of the, uh, of the synagogue would have been even more concerned about the unclean person because they believed that if they accidentally touched them, it would make them unclean. We still get a lot of this thinking in the Christian world today. Oh, you don't want to go near them. Why not? And they make you unclean. Where do we get this idea from? The Old Testament. Old, superstitious ways of thinking as well. I mean, there's a little bit of sense here. If you're someone that struggled with alcoholism, it's probably not a great idea to hang out in bars. You know, that's just sense. But we're, we're talking about something completely different here. We're not talking about, oh, I'm free to go to a strip club because I'm... Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm fine, I can do that. That's, that's, no, we're not talking about that either. Unless God tells you to. <laughs> that's another story. But he won't tell you to go to enjoy the strip club. He'll tell you to go there and connect with people. But he could tell you to go to the pub to connect with people. He'd tell you to go to the sports bar to connect with people. He'd tell you to go to the drama club to connect with people. but it won't make you unclean. Jesus was immediately filled with compassion for this man. He reached out his hand and touched him. That meant he was unclean. He was now no longer fit until he'd been through the various rituals to go into the synagogue. Certainly not to go into the temple because he had touched the unacceptable. But instead, and said, Of course I want to heal you. Be cleansed. Immediately the man was completely healed of the leprosy. No trace of it was left. Let's go to these places and get the cleanness on them. It's not that we become unclean, it's that they're going to become clean. And the main reason it doesn't happen is because people are too scared for it to happen. God wants the unclean to fill our building. Oh, you can't do that, it'll spoil the sanctuary. No, it won't, it'll enhance it. Because these unclean will become clean. God wants us to touch the unacceptable. Jesus reaches out to the unacceptable and touches them. It's who he died for because we were all unacceptable. And even today, apart from Christ, we're completely and utterly unacceptable. We're all there because of grace and mercy. This is the church that sees people gathering at the door. It's a scary church. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all lepers. I think that's fairly obvious, isn't it? It's not just, oh, great, we'll just have lots of people with skin diseases now. But neither is it just all the people that are on drugs or on alcohol. Because actually the unclean are anyone who doesn't know God. And it could be the rich and powerful and those that look like they got it all sussed as well. Those are the ones Jesus also wanted to touch. It's a time to see business leaders saved. It's a time to see CEOs saved. It's a time to see council leaders saved. It's a time to see politicians saved, as well as to see drug addicts saved and alcoholics saved. It's time to see the unclean become clean because of a church that says, that's not going to make me unclean. Nothing outside a man's going to make me unclean. It's only what's in here. I need to watch what goes on inside. 
But the church likes to make rules and says, no, thou shalt not do that because that looks bad. And God says, I don't care what it looks like. I want to know what's on the inside. And he wants the people who are so in love with God and we realize we're so acceptable to him that he just wants to touch us. We can do the same to others. Amen. Because as Amen. Jesus Amen. is in the world, so are we. Who's going to touch the prostitutes? Who's going to touch people into any kind of sexual deviancy? The church. Who's going to reach out to the thieves? Who's going to take the hand of people who are so abominable and objectionable in the way they live in their lives? The church. And it's going to be tough because sometimes we're going to think they're spoiling it. It's not so holy and lovely now. No, it's the opposite. It's more holy. And God's more excited and more joyful because the very people he came for are there. But we won't be nice middle class England church singing nice songs and having lovely little God encounters. You know, we'll be trying to meet with God and there'll be somebody's come in for the first time and their children are running around the legs of the person trying to preach. Fantastic. Is it, a, is it a, something that we want to encourage? No. But if it's something that's happening because somebody's just walked in and they don't know how their children should behave and they don't know what they're going to do, yes! I wish that child over there would stop screaming. What if that family are here for the first time, second time, third time, and they're hearing the gospel for the first time in their lives, and they're meeting a people who are saying, welcome, then praise God for the screaming child. If it's somebody that's growing in God, and somebody that knows what it is to be God, and something that knows about encountering God, then there is a time when they say, okay, I'll take that child out for now. Yeah, it's not saying, oh, we're just going to have screaming children. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying we're not going to judge the people with screaming children either. In fact, we might actually get alongside them and help them with their children. Immediately, the man was completely healed because he was touched. As Jesus is in this world, so are we. The religious thinking, the legalistic thinking said, if you touch it, it's going to make you dirty. You won't be acceptable by, to by God. God says, if I touch it, it will become clean. Amen, amen. And as Jesus was in this world, so are we. As we touch Hallelujah. the world, it will become clean. We can't complain about the darkness in the world because we're the light. It's not the world's fault in that sense. It's the church has to be the witness. And when that love reaches out, they fall on their knees and change their minds because of the love of God to them. But we are those people. We are going to the other side. Because he's accepted us. We know what God's love's like because when we were his enemies, he died for us. When we were, his, when we were unacceptable, when we were unclean, he died for us. I mean, rarely, it says, will anyone die for anyone else. Perhaps for a really good man, someone might dare to. But Jesus died for his enemies. Because he wanted to reach out and touch. And ultimately, that was the only way to love those people back into the arms of the Father, was by his death. On one occasion, a leper came to him. Yeah, I am deliberately going back to that. Fell to his knees and pleaded with Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. Do we want to? Do we want to? as it takes time and effort 
I'm not great being around people all the time, personally. I'm a bit of an introvert, and I recharge by hiding. <laughs> hiding with God, but just hiding sometimes. And so, so are many of you. But my prayer is, God, change me too. I mean, I guess it's probably, it's just part of who I am. I'll always be a little bit like that. But the love of God just so powerful in us. And knowing, we knowing how much he loves us that we can't fail but reach out and touch others. Of course I want to, Jesus said. Do we really want to? Oh, I want to see people saved. I want to. I, I, I'm not thinking of anybody here. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to run this course. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on. Well, go on then. Well, yeah, but you know, I've got this to do and this to do. But I really want to do that. You only really want to do it if you do it. We sometimes lie to ourselves, saying, "I want to do these things," but we never do it, which proves that we don't. But we want to think that we do, so that we think that we're better than we are, and we feel a bit happier about ourselves. <laughs> well, I do that. I don't know about you. I, oh, I really want to do that. But we never quite do. So actually, I don't really want to do that, do I? Well, I don't want to do that, because I probably don't want to commit more time, effort, money to it. But I know what God's doing in us right now is he's showing us this is what I've done because this is the page you're turning to. Actually, you were correct. Yeah, you do want it. We've just got to remove all hesitation. Because God loves you. And he wants that love for you to flow to others. His goodness is running after you. His goodness is running after you. Just sit in God's presence for a minute. Ashley Elka, in all seriousness, perhaps you could just play the keyboard <laughs> just for this minute. There's going to be plenty of time when we're going to be praying for one another and speaking prophetically over one another and all those things, and it's important that we do. But we're not going to finish this meeting with ministry in that way. I just want you to spend a few minutes... Once more, letting that goodness flow over you. Don't even try and think about what you've got to do. It's not about what you've got to do. It's just about the fact that you're in the arms of the Father. And it's all right. We're going to the other side. The storm might be big. The giants in the land might be big, to use the other version. Those giants are all going to be slain when we're going to land on the other shore because he is good and we're his people. Some of you in the room right now, 
for whatever reasons you've been feeling unacceptable or unclean or not good enough. If you want to come before Jesus right now, you can. your prayer can be exactly the same as the leper. If you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, of course I want to. And right now he'll reach out and touch you in the spirit. Immediately they were clean. This is not like some act. It's not in because you look super holy on your face. It's just Jesus made me clean. Which is just another way of saying forgive me. Or Lord have mercy on me. And Jesus says of course. And he's reaching out and touching right now. Saying you are forgiven. You are acceptable. You are clean. Immediately, the man was healed of the leprosy. No trace of it was left. Whatever's been bothering you, whatever's held you back, whatever... Maybe there's something you've just been feeling guilty about or not right about or you think, oh, I should have done more. God just says, let it go. Let me touch you. No trace left. When you pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. The mercy washes through you. There's no trace of sin or unacceptableness anything left you're pure and you're holy as Jesus is in the world which includes holy so are we as the church realises oh wow we really are as Jesus is and was so the people will come to the door why? Because to see that they are acceptable, that there is someone that wants to reach out to them, that there is someone that says, no, it's okay, you can be clean. There's so much fear and anxiety and stress in the world, and it's all because people feel they're not clean. perpetrated domestic violence is because they're fear afraid and not justifying it it's a terrible sin but the reason a man usually but it can be women as well in fact we're discovering it's perhaps even approaching 50 50 it's just been another quiet one reason someone is like that is because they're often it's usually to do with fear fear of losing that person fear of not being good enough being a husband and so they control the other person through fear but you are clean no one is better than you are worse than the person next to you you're not less anointed than anybody else because it's all here we've all got different callings and different roles no one is especially superior hallelujah father I pray you just put your peace now upon everybody in this room and that they would know your mercy that, Father, as you prepare us to turn the page, and even as we've discovered you have prepared us for turning the page, Lord, we so look forward to that new page of knowing you love us so that we can love us. to a close there. It's just
just gone eight o'clock, so if you've got children in the groups, you've got to go and collect them. Claire, was there any important notices? 8.30 for the encounter, if you want to be here, Claire will be leading that. 8.30 in the cafe this evening for hot chocolate and cake, wow, uh, which is about 25 minutes. And um, then 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, and then you've got the timetable for the rest of the day. Have a wonderful rest of evening, and enjoy God's love. He's actually good, you know. Oh, look, there it all is. There it all is. <laughs> Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.